Good day, people, and tall our pinksters. Hope that you're all having a wonderful day for Thanksgiving and enjoying your delicious turkey and having a great time with your family. Yes, and we're very excited about today's episode. We figured that this would be a good way uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving with an episode called All Things Cannabis. And on today's show, we have Brian, a.k.a. 420 Vapologist, who will be joining us today to talk about all things cannabis. Welcome to the show. And we are The The Pink Pink Box. And now it's time for Pink Problems. So Nene, on this Thanksgiving Day, what is your pink problem? Okay, so I'm going to call this pink problem uh, appearance guilt trip. Appearance guilt trip. Okay, this is interesting. (laughs) So as a mom or as a parent, parent in general, you always want the best for your kids, right? But um, I'm not sure I'm not alone on this when, uh, when I say that sometimes you still feel like you're not doing enough for your children. Like, for example, I, you know, I want to be able to take my kids to piano lessons or like do some um, sports, but there's just no time. sometimes it's you know you can't afford everything but when you can there's just not enough time it there's not enough time in the day and the schedules doesn't work and you feel guilty that you haven't done enough I think a lot of people feel that and they they even feel that just in everyday stuff remember I was just telling you we just changed the light bulbs in the vanity and I just (laughs) felt so accomplished because we just did that simple task yeah but it's been there for like two months (laughs) with burnt out (laughs) light bulbs you know, so yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like people want to do more and it's it's just hard with our schedules and the way life is right now. But I feel like as a mom, I feel so much more guilty because I feel like, you know, the key to my children's future is having them do stuff that they they need to do as a kid. Yeah, but I think they appreciate everything you do do for them anyways. So I think whatever you're doing now you just have to keep continue to do it to be able to have them grow up to be the people you want them to be. Yeah, I think it's just me personally being hard on myself. Even though I'm doing a good job, I still feel like I should do better. And I think a lot of parents feel the same way. And you're not alone. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's good, right? Yeah, especially in a day like today when everybody's celebrating family. You want to have everything perfect. Yeah, exactly. I guess I'm just such a perfectionist that you know I wish that I could do everything and all the best for my children and I think all parents feel the same way I think they do too probably yeah yeah so on that note what is your big problem (laughs) so I was driving in Mississauga and I was sitting at the corner of Mavis and Dundas and I was thinking hmm like what could be my pink problem for this week And then I was like, you know what? People that pick their nose in their car. And (laughs) just as I had that thought, I looked over to my left and there was a guy knuckles deep. I swear to God, this guy had his fingers so far up his nose. And I was like, felt like I was gagging watching this guy. It's like hard to turn your head, but you're like, because you're just wondering, why would you do this? 
But then he proceeded to pick out the booger, roll it into a ball, <laughs> and then toss it out the window. Okay, so did he see you watching him or no? No, it's like they don't even see you there. But it's like, like the, it's like because you're because you're in the car, you feel like you're in your own private space. But that is their private space. <laughs> so you think people should be able to pick their nose in their car? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, that is their space. But at the same time, it is gross for other people to Like, I'm to, thinking like, more maybe that. on a sanitary perspective. Do you think that they should be able to do it? Because it's not like this guy was after and then took out some sanitizer and at least because <laughs> he didn't do that. He literally just threw it out the window and rolled up the window like it was nothing. Or oh, actually so rolled, he pushed the button, I guess. He didn't like kip it inside the car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So is that worse then if you pick it and flick it inside your car? Is that worse? <laughs> no idea, but that's disgusting. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever you're doing, people, whether you're picking and flicking outside or inside your car, it's disgusting. Don't do it. Well, <laughs> um, but, but personally, that's well that's their car i don't i don't care what people do in their own space i'm never getting in your guy's car again because there must be some picking and flicking going on in there no 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 it's just but you know i wear glasses so for me if i if i see other people driving i can't even see who they are or what they're what they're doing because i i just can't see that far so you can't see them picking and flicking I probably can't, no. But for you, do you yeah. have twenty twenty vision? I do actually. Okay, I do. so yeah. so that's probably your disadvantage. So so not only do we have to watch out your picking and flicking, we have to watch out for you on a on a eyeglasses level because you can't see and you're driving. Well, I wear glasses, <laughs> but I I just don't. I, I'm not that observant, I guess. Okay, that's probably a better way yeah. to put it then, because you can see while you're driving. But you're just not an observant person. Like, you're no, just no. doing whatever you need to do yeah, while you're I driving. Don't, okay. I don't, like, look at what other people are doing. Although, yeah, my husband does, like, he's always looking at what other people are doing. Yeah. Like, even when he's driving. But I don't, I can't pay attention to other people. I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm just, I'm a little more experienced driver. So I, I do tend to look around a little more because I'm actually wondering what the other people are doing. But that would explain it then. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that is gross. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. So this week, we do have another pink problem that was DM'd to us by Don. So he is complaining uh, that his wife actually complained about him turning his socks inside out. So he says that when she takes off her clothes and puts them in the laundry, which he does, he says that there's always one leg inside out or one arm inside out when he goes to take out the laundry and put it in the pile. What do you think about that? Um, I have an issue with the socks, for sure. Because, I mean, you're putting it in the laundry. It makes it easier if you just put it the right way. Like, not inside out, but outside in. Right, right? exactly. So I understand what he's saying, but I think a pants or a shirt isn't as big a deal as a socks because the socks you actually have to physically turn inside out before you put them away in the drawer. The shirt I don't have a problem with because you're folding it. Sometimes it's better actually to wash t-shirts and um, like shirts inside out. This is true. So that you don't, um, what do you call if it? If you've you got the label or something yeah, if on you it, got it the doesn't label, wear out. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah, wear no, it out. Yeah, that. that's what I learned when doing the laundry. But with socks, it's just easier to fold them 
when you're um, when it's outside in. Right. So I think we're gonna kibosh this complaint, Don, because. <laughs> Uh, I feel the same way as Nini, and we don't think it's a big deal for the leg or the shirt to be inside <laughs> out. No, it's it's not a big deal. But socks, yeah, it's, socks, yeah. I mean, how hard is it to just take it off the right way? Right, exactly. So, anyways, Don, we appreciate <laughs> your DM, and if you have any more about your wife, we would love to hear about them. Yes, we'd love to hear about your ping problems. Make sure that you DM us. On Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, we would love to hear about your ping problems. And if you have any comments about our ping problems, please do so. Yeah, or even just comments about the show. And you can find us at the Pink Box Podcast on Instagram. And that's where we read a lot of our messages. And we will put your DM on our next podcast episode. That's right. Hey, everyone. I'm Cece. This is Nene. And welcome to episode three of The Pink Box, where anything goes. Welcome to uh, another episode of The Pink Box. I know, I'm so excited for today's episode, and I've been looking forward to it all week, actually. And our guest today is super exciting. Our next guest is a friend of mine, Brian, aka 420 Vapologist, and we're very excited to have him on the show. Thank you for coming today, Brian. Thanks for having me, ladies. Today, we're actually going to be discussing all things cannabis. So if you're someone who's not sure, or maybe you've always wanted to try it, uh, but you're, you're maybe you're afraid, or maybe you're just not that person, Brian's yes. the guy who's going to give you all that information today. So Brian, let's go to the beginning and let's start. So like, like, how did your journey in cannabis, am I even using the right word cannabis? Is that how I should be talking about it? Or should I be saying marijuana? Yes. Like I, what, what is yeah. the, what is the stigma with it? Well, uh, yeah, I try to use the, the word cannabis. Uh, marijuana does have its uh, roots in, you know, some unfortunate history uh, with, you know, racial animus towards Mexican people. Uh, they use that word to like sort of otherize the plant and the people of Mexico by saying you don't want to mess with that marijuana stuff. It's, you know, associated with Mexicans and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the word. I kind of wish we would get rid of it altogether. I, I just refer to it as cannabis as the what the the plant is actually named. Okay. And so what made you like, where did you start using and, and what was the stigmas at that time? Because now we're in a place we're in Canada, so it's legal. So how did it start back when you started? Cause it definitely wasn't legal back then. Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, I probably started like most people, uh, you know, my age, uh, you know, a little bit in high school and, and then after, but, um, sort of, uh, stopped using it for a period of time. Uh, you know, just have it at parties or whatever, you know, if somebody was passing around a joint or something like that, I would partake. But, uh, yeah, then there was a long period where I didn't use it at all anymore. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, my story sort of starts with the loss of my father. Uh, that's when I sort of found cannabis again. My dad died six years ago and, uh, it was kind of tragic and, un, uh, unforeseen circumstances, a very sudden, unexpected death. So it, it took a toll on me and, um, yeah, it was a little, especially in the first few days, it was really hard. And I remember three days went by where I didn't sleep. Uh, and then I was like, I need something, I need something to fall asleep. And, um, I used to take, um, you know, antidepressants and stuff like that. I'm not afraid to or ashamed to admit it. You know, I think that's a t discussion we need to have in this country about mental health. Uh, and it's all sort of the sort of all 
you know, isn't intertwined with that. So uh, basically, um, like, yeah, so basically, we, uh, I started to uh, decide that I needed to take something to help me fall asleep. And I wasn't like crazy about going back to see my doctor because I knew he'd get me on pills and things I didn't want to take. Not that there's anything wrong with that if you need it, because I, there was a time in my life I did. And, you know, but I had just gotten to a point where I didn't and I didn't want to feel like I was going backwards. So I was just like, you know, I'd rather use something natural that uh, might help me sleep. Um, and I decided, you know, I remembered when I would smoke cannabis that, uh, you know, I would uh, I would always sleep well that day, no matter what time of the day I smoked it, even if I smoked it in the morning that later that evening, I always slept really well. So I just remembered that. And I said, you know, I will uh, I'll do that uh, just so I can get some sleep. And I did. And it worked. Uh, but then really quickly, I realized I needed something, um, I needed a, a different way to consume it uh, other than smoking, because at this point, I was two years smoke free uh, tobacco, that is, and I didn't want to fall back into that trap either. So um, I started, I remember it was around this time I became uh, aware of like herbal vaporizers, pen vaporizers. I knew they were, they existed, but I wasn't really using cannabis at the time. So I didn't know much about them. I remember it. I would hear a lot about it on the Dean Blundell show on 102.1. Amy Anonymous was a, a guest that they would have on there all the time. She's a, a well-known Toronto stoner uh, and entrepreneur and a lot of great things. Uh, she she sort of opened my eyes to vaporizers, and uh, I realized, well, that could be a way to consume it. That's not technically burning. It's not smoking it, because um, I remembered I would smoke a joint and then I would immediately have a cigarette, and I was worried that sensation would come back, that desire to smoke would come back. So I thought maybe if I get one of these vaporizers, I can use that instead, and uh, that's what I did. I, and then that quickly evolved into like a love affair with uh, vaporizers and, and different cannabis accessories. I think what it really was, was the distraction I needed to sort of cope with the trauma and the loss of my father and my grief. So um, let's go back a little bit. You said that you yeah. you smoked it way back when and then when your father passed away, um, yeah. you needed something. What was it like uh, between that gap, like having to go back to it? Um, it, was, it wasn't nothing for me. Like it wasn't like there wasn't a reason I stopped using it other than like I just sort of, you know, I, I, you know, I got to a point in my life where I didn't really I didn't really partake anymore. It wasn't like for any other reason other than, you know, I'd, I'd met my, my, who would eventually become my wife. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't in my lifestyle at the time, but, you know, in a, in a time like that, when you're, when you need something, uh, you know, and, and, you, and I had positive associations with it, it was sort of a no brainer. I'm like, and like the fact that I remembered I would fall asleep very easily when I would use it. Uh, so yeah, I just decided that instead of, you know, trying to rely on sleeping medication or any sort of, uh, big pharma pills or any of that kind of stuff, I would just, uh, smoke some cannabis and, and get the much needed rest that I needed at the time. And that sort of set me on my journey. I fell in love with cannabis. I fell in love with vaporizers. I fell in love with the entire industry, really the culture. And so in the, when you were doing that, when you, when you went back to it or started, like, how, how do you even know what to start with? Like, I think like myself, uh, that's probably where I am. Like, even if I wanted to smoke it, like, and I think a lot of people have this experience, they go and smoke it or they eat an edible and it's not the right amount or the right uh, type for them. 
and they have a bad mm-hmm. experience. So how did, how did you know, like, did, were you researching it back then? Like, how did you know what to do for yourself? Well, I mean, this was a, keep in mind, this wasn't the corporate cannabis world we see today. Like, you know, there wasn't, uh, we didn't know what strains we were getting back then. It was, you got what your dealer had. That's, you know, you got a bag of whatever your dealer had. We didn't know if it was Indica, Sativa, if it had high CBD. You know, I often look back now at some of those times where I would smoke something and not get very high. And I wonder now, like, maybe that was just like a very high CBD strain which is, a, a, you know, the, the, the medical uh, compound, like the stuff in it in cannabis that's really good for uh, inflammation and, and different things like that. Uh, but it doesn't really get you high. It doesn't get you high. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's not psychoactive the way THC is. So it's what they're using to treat people with like uh, epileptic seizures and, uh, you know, CBDs and everything nowadays. There's lots of therapeutic uh, benefits of taking it. So I often wonder back to those times when I would get something back in the day that didn't get me very high. And, I was, you know, maybe it just had a lot of CBD in it or something like that. But that's just the reality of what it was back then. You got Thanks what your dealer had. Maybe you were smoking pars- parsley or something, I think, back then, right? <laughs> like some possible. sort of parsley in it a bag? It was definitely cannabis. You knew it, you know, you know, it still has distinctive odors and traits, but it, it, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's 6% cannabis. And then, uh, you know, there's 33% cannabis that is, or, you know, 33% THC, which, you know, it's going to have a much different effect on you than some of the lower percentages. So, so did you find that it helped you a lot um, with your grief and your depression? Absolutely. Yeah. Anxiety. All that stuff, it calmed me down, quieted the noise in my head enough so I could get some rest and just sort of collect my thoughts uh, and begin my journey of healing and, uh, you know, uh, coming to terms with what happened and cannabis, uh, you know, and then it, then it got to a point where I was like, okay, now I didn't want to continue to get it illegally. Uh, that was a fear. You know, I'd just become a new dad. My wife and I were worried about you know legal implications not that we'd see as much of it here in Canada but you know we'd watch I were like watching a lot of documentaries about what was going on in California places like Colorado and stuff like that and just seeing how the movement was evolving it was evolving at a much higher rate in the U.S. than it was uh, in Canada so yeah we were watching that kind of stuff and you know there were still people losing their kids and stuff and so it was definitely scary it's definitely scary. And so, I mean, you kind of touched on it. You said there was different strains and uh, different things you can do. So you mentioned the CBD. What what was the what what were the other marijuana types you were saying? And, and what would that mean to someone who doesn't know anything about marijuana? You said Indica or something like or Indica. Uh, yeah. So there's Indica, uh, which is like known as the um, the heavier, you know, couch lock, give you the munchies kind of stuff. Uh, you know, definitely for when you're, when you're, I think my friend called that that wheelchair weed or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, and then sativa is more of like a cerebral high. So, you know, that's the the stuff that makes you creative. Some people say it makes them paranoid. Uh, It's supposed to be less munchies. I find that both indica and sativa give me the munchies. I think that's a fallacy. Yeah. (laughs) And then CBD, like, you know, uh, well, I was, I was sort of getting to this point of like how I, I eventually went over to medical cannabis rather than getting it illegally from the, the, the black market. But CBD, uh, you know, I use that. I suffer from pretty bad migraines. Uh, so if I feel one coming on and I, and I vaporize some CBD cannabis or take some oil, 
uh, or some kind of CBD edible, I can sometimes mitigate getting that migraine. But then once I have it, I need something with, that's usually when I go to the Indica stuff to, to, to deal with the pain. So you mentioned earlier how your lifestyle before um, you got back to it was different and you feel like you didn't need it and you just met your wife. How did she feel you going back to, to this lifestyle? Well, like I said, there was definitely a little bit of apprehension. Not that she was worried about it. We sort of always had the same sort of opinions on cannabis. We didn't think of it as this big, scary drug that we had been, you know, sort of lied to about all these years. That's what I sort of associate the word marijuana with, too, is like that time of misinformation and lies. And that's why another reason why I don't like to use the word. But um, yeah, no, she was supportive. But there was, again, there was this underlying fear that, you know, it could hurt us with our kids. And I literally was taking medication that people were prescribing cannabis for. So I was like, I have legitimate medical need at this point where I could get it prescribed by a doctor and it wouldn't be illegal. And then I would have, you know, a document at least to protect me if there was ever uh, that kind of, you know, anything, if there was any sort of situation where I would need it again. Uh, you know, some people obviously don't feel that way that today because we made so much progress and advances in uh, the way people look at cannabis in this country since legalization. But back then, it was a different time. It was still very illegal. You could still get in trouble. And, uh, you know, like I said, being a new parent, that was definitely on our mind. We didn't want to take any unnecessary chances. And because I had legal, like an actual medical need to be prescribed that I decided I would get it prescribed. Uh and also because like I was watching what was going on in Colorado and, and British Columbia and California, and we were learning about all the different strains and how, you know, different strains have different effects. And like I said, going back to like, when you get stuff from your dealer, you got what he had, you didn't know what it was. I mean, sometimes they did if they knew their grower well enough and, you know, this is purple haze, this is OG Kush or whatever. But for the most part, they didn't know either. It was just, they were selling you what they had and you bought it and that was it. There was no questioning it. And did you feel um did you feel that um as a parent you were okay using it while you have your children around you? I was or? definitely careful uh, at least uh, at first, you know, because uh you know when it was, I would usually just use it when they were down at the end of the night to sleep uh, when they were younger, you know, uh, because this is what and this is a point I make a lot about how you know I think a lot of people writing the laws and. Uh, you know, they use their, their experience with cannabis and they, you know, they remember the one time they got high in college and they couldn't get off the couch and they think it's like that for everybody. You know, if you use cannabis every day, it affects you differently than somebody who partakes once in a blue moon or, uh, you know, once every couple of weeks or months, it has a much different effect when you're getting a steady diet of THC in your diet. I feel like I definitely noticed that when I take breaks, because I do take breaks from time to time, uh, because, you know, your tolerance can get really high. But um, definitely, yeah, like, you know, it's uh, some like I, I think a lot of the people that write the laws and, and make the, you know, um, sort of the rules and regulations around it, the, you know, they have sort of a skewed perspective. If they're not using it actively, it doesn't have the same effect on you, in my, at least in my experience uh, as somebody that uses it every day. And what about when you decided to switch from like smoking to vaping? Like, was there like you said there was the reason because you just didn't want to, you know, be inhaling for the cigarette reason to go back to cigarettes. So now that you started vaping, 
did that kind of grow on you and did that develop into something? Yeah, because immediately, uh, yeah, I went down to, so the, <laughs> I'll tell you the story about my first vaporizer. I went down to the Friendly Stranger on Queen Street, which is a landmark for any Toronto stoner. Um, you know, we've been going there since high school to get our rolling papers and they would have information pamphlets. Back then we were learning that they were lying to us and that this was such a useful plant in so many ways that you can make clothes out of it. And uh, so many different, you know, it had so many practical uses. So I went down there one day and I bought my PAX one. I still have it. And first time I used it, I remember thinking like, wow, I can really taste the cannabis on this, uh, you know, on this device. It, it tasted different from when you smoked it because it's, it's, there's no burning plant material. It basically just heats uh, the cannabis until the essential oils become vapor and that's what you inhale so it's actually quite pleasant there's a pleasant taste and a pleasant aroma and it was just like yeah this is so much better than just smoking it I felt like smoking it was wasting it at that point once I discovered vaporizing it so uh yeah that that became a long love affair too with vaporizers now I own like 60 of them now by the way that's a lot of vaporizers. Would you recommend, though, somebody, and we just want to make sure, like, Brian's not a doctor. We're not telling you <laughs> to go out and, like, get totally high, but we're just trying to inform you that if you wanted to maybe try something, would vaporizing be better than smoking it? I mean, like, the last person I saw smoking weed, I think I picked up their lung after on the ground from hacking <laughs> so hard. Yeah, well... Uh, definitely think that vaporizing is better for you than smoking. I, I, when I tell people who are new to cannabis, uh, how to caution themselves with it, I tell them don't eat it because I feel like eating it is the, the way that you can really mess yourself up. Yeah. Where were you uh, like a little while well, ago? If you'd called me. You'd <laughs> yeah, I know. I should, I should have, but you know, when you're in the moment, right? So you didn't mean like, like edible though, like eat the plant. Like, a, no, you oh. mean edible, right? No, I mean, like, you know, gummy bears. Um, yeah, like you know, edibles. Cookies, like ed edible cannabis, you know, like, although, um, you know, it, it can be really fun and it could be really, you know, because this is the thing, right? Like, if you smoke it or vaporize it, uh, the high will last anywhere from, like, two to four hours typically. But when you eat it, it can stay in your system for as up for as long as 12 hours. And then, like, if you, if you do it I on know. a full stomach... <laughs> There's a laughter here because we, there's experiences in this in this studio. Yeah. Sure, if yeah. you if you uh, if you if you eat too much of it, especially on a full stomach, because uh, you should try if you're gonna eat if you're gonna take edibles, I recommend you do it on an empty stomach because uh, the, I'll tell you the story of of my bad edible experience. I a friend of mine uh, and I we made some uh, we made some butter out of some vaporized cannabis, which we thought. You know, because it had already been vaporized, we didn't think it'd be very potent. So we doubled the recipe. Uh, little do we know, there's still tons of THC in that vaporized cannabis. And it made some pretty strong butter, which we then made into fudge, which, you know, re requires a lot of butter. So, you know, and I ate two pieces of this fudge that were, I w if I had to, like, you know, compare it to something, it'd be like two, like two chicken McNuggets. Uh, size so I thought okay it's not too much but it was way too much I ate it on a full plate of spaghetti and meatballs we had it as a dessert oh. and I didn't know it then but eating it on a full stomach it keeps it in your system longer so I ended up getting like out of my mind stoned for three days <gasps> I literally oh, woke okay. up Saturday morning this was on a Friday I woke up on the Saturday morning 
And I looked at my wife and I'm like, you need to take the kids and go to your mom's place because I am like just as high as I was when I went to bed. And that had never happened. No, no matter how drunk I've ever been in my life or high, I've never woken up in that state. And that terrified me. I'm like, holy shit. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to try and sleep this so, off. Yeah. I woke up later that night and I was still that high. And I was like, holy shit, did I just break my brain? Am I like Cheech and Chong now? Like, <laughs> and so then the, eat, no, not eating, not eating it, not eating it. Or at least if you do eat it, like really err on the side of caution, whatever they're telling you, you should eat, uh, you know, eat half of it and see how you feel. Because it's just, this is the, this is the motto I like to go by. You can always eat more. You can never eat less. If you eat too much. You're 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 booked for that ticket on that ride. Yeah, I think that's I, what I actually, happened. I actually like that. That's actually probably really good advice for anybody trying edibles because people think, oh, I'm gonna eat half a cookie, but why do you need to just eat one little piece then and start with yeah. that and see how that goes? Because maybe that is more than enough. I I think that's excellent advice. It it typically takes like an hour or so before you start to feel it too. So like you can eat that little piece and wait, see how you feel. And if you feel like you could handle a little more, then maybe you eat another piece. But that like, yeah. So going back to your original question, you asked me if, uh, you know, I recommend vaporizing it. It's definitely my preferred method of consumption. Like I said, uh, it just basically heats it until the essential oil becomes vapor. That's what you're inhaling. You're not inhaling carcinogens or plant, burning plant material. Uh, you know, so yeah, it, it's, it's definitely better for you. I think in my, you know, at least in my experience, I feel like my, my chest doesn't feel like it's caving in the way it did when I would smoke. Don't get me wrong. I still, I still enjoy the odd joint here and there. Usually at the end of the work week, I like to have a nice big King size cone to end the week. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I try like my motto is like, I vape 95% of the time, maybe 5% of the time I can bust. Well, and you mentioned that you have like 60 vaporizers. So why so many? Are you like addicted to these things? Or is this something that you're trying to like, uh, I, I, like to, so people know just to try out the products? Like what is the reason? No. Well, like I, going back to the original point of the story, uh, the loss of my dad, um, finding vaporizers was sort of like the distraction and the hobby that I think I needed at the time. You know, my kids, I, I wouldn't have made it through that time without them. But like as a person, as a, as a father and as a husband, you still need something for yourself. Right. And especially at that time where I was just dealing with so much grief, I felt like I needed something like a, a hobby to be passionate about. And it was something that sort of just happened organically. I found them, started watching reviews on them. I really enjoyed that, you know, discovered guys like Sneaky Pete. Uh, love his videos. That's a great resource for anybody looking to, you know, watch videos on the different types of vaporizers, what makes each one special, that kind of stuff. He puts out really good content on that. And that's what, on YouTube if somebody's looking for it? Yeah, he's a reviewer on YouTube that does videos on, uh, on, uh, on like different vaporizers and stuff like that. Uh, and that's sort of what I fell in love with. Watching that kind of stuff was cool. So... Yeah, I just fell in love with the culture and like, oddly enough, I really liked taking them apart and uh, cleaning them and stuff. I used to be a mechanic, so I'm like, you know, very, I'm mechanically inclined. So I used to like to take them apart and like see how they work and all that kind of stuff. It just became a good distraction to take my mind off things and, you know, gave me a hobby to be passionate about. And then why I have so many was, uh, you know, I bought a, a bunch at first and then before I know, knew it, like I would, you know, take pictures of them and post them up on Instagram and stuff like that, offer my opinions on them. And before I knew it, companies were sending them to me to like test out and try and promote for them. 
you know, it was, yeah. And like I said, it became a hobby that uh, kept me, kept me distracted during that difficult time. Wouldn't you say that, uh, you know, how some people say that, um, well, weed is also addictive. What is your opinion about that? I don't, I don't personally believe that. Uh, I mean, I think any substance can be addictive to the right person, you know, uh, some people for some people that might be eating a dozen donuts alone in their car you know that that, that, should we make donuts illegal no but that person has a problem with junk food some people do have a problem with cannabis i don't recommend it for everybody i don't think it's a one size fits all solution for everybody it's definitely not right for some people if you tend to be very paranoid nervous like that it could sort of amplify those qualities and, you know, the research that I've looked at, again, I'm not a doctor, but I've seen a lot of research that suggests that, you know, the only real danger is to the undeveloped brain. And that's like, you know, before 21. And, you know, people who are schizophrenic should probably not use cannabis because it can make that a lot worse. But other than that, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't recommend it for everybody. It's not for everybody, but it definitely works for a lot of people. A lot of teenagers, they experience it, right, when they're teens and so on and so forth. But I think they don't appreciate it as much until you become an adult, from my experience anyway. I agree. I definitely appreciated it far more when I was an adult because I was doing it as a teenager. Uh, so I know I'm a bit of a hypocrite for saying that, but, you know, I'm going to tell my kids same same thing, you know, like, you know, whenever they ask me about it or whenever that discussion happens, you know, wait till you're 21 and dad will smoke with you. And I'll, I'll make that their incentive to wait because, you know, I just, if you can avoid it before 21, you should. And what would you say to parents out there that could be listening and going, I disagree with that. Like telling your kids they have to wait. But I, I think for me, you know, it would be, what's the difference between this because it's legal now and dr- having a drink of alcohol and asking your child to wait until they're 19. Like, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, I would never categorize cannabis and alcohol in the same category. One is, uh, you know, far, far less dangerous. I think alcohol is the most dangerous drug in the world because it's so readily available. Uh, And that, unlike cannabis, is highly addictive to certain people as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, there's, I don't know, I just, me personally, I feel like it's, you know, there's far more damage and consequences from alcohol. And comparing it to, to cannabis, I, 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 I don't, I sort of reject that uh, comparison. But um, yeah, it is no different than saying wait into, to, to have a drink. I'm, I'm going to tell my kids the same thing. I don't want them to drink before uh, the legal age either. And there's a reason for it, you know, but we all know how teenagers are. I'm, I'm not naive. I know that they might try it with their friends. I'm just going to try to make it clear to them as, as their father, because that's my job to, you know, don't get into the habit of, of smoking it all the time. It's different if they have it at a party once in a blue moon or something like that. But yeah, no, definitely try not to make it a habit, uh, at least until you're a little bit older and your brain's finished developing. And how is marijuana, like, how is it now in your life? Like, how is it helping you now? Obviously, it's been some years and you've been able to find things to help yourself through the difficult times. Like, how do you find, like, now that it's all legal and, and all that, do you still find there's, like, a stigma attached to it, even though well, it's legal uh, like, now? Actually, we were sort of going on this track before, and then we sort of got sidetracked uh, about how I started acquiring it legally. Uh, basically... I was getting it from, uh, you know, friends and dealers that I knew from uh, back in the old days when I did use it. 
but then, like I said, I had actual medical need that I could get it prescribed to me. And I went to go see my family doctor that so I thought, you know, just go see your doctor to get it prescribed. I was seeing in British Columbia, you know, people were prescribing it. it there was clinics set up and all these sorts of things, these resources where people could go get a legal cannabis prescription. And although I knew like at the time, yeah, some people were totally, you know, full of it. Like I needed, I stubbed my toe. I need a cannabis prescription. I legitimately like could replace medication I was taking. So I went to my family doctor. I asked him if he would prescribe it to me. He was furious with me. He was like, no, I, I don't support this at all. I don't think you should do it. Uh, and then I realized, okay, this might be a challenge figuring out how uh, to get cannabis legally medically as well. Again, this was a different time back then. This wasn't the the cannabis friendly Canada that we live in today. It was, uh, you know, there were still things you had to work out. There were, uh, you needed to know a doctor that, that they weren't, you know, there wasn't like a listing where you could go look which, which doctors prescribe cannabis. And that's when I found a company called uh, Canna Relief Consulting. It's still run to this day by this lovely lady named Pauline Gerard, who is a cannabis educator and lifelong activist for the plant. She sort of taught me everything I knew about it, uh, at least at first, and put me in touch with my first doctor who prescribed it to me legally. So then I was given a uh, legal prescription or the MMRP or sorry, the MMPR at the time. Uh, that was the license that would allow you to purchase from licensed producers, but not grow your own. Um, but I, I wasn't in a position where I wanted to grow. I, so I wasn't really looking for that anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me. Uh, but yeah, then I was starting to buy it legally. I would order it online and it would be delivered, uh, in, in the, uh, in the mail, I would sign for it and it would come straight to my door. That was far, you know, far, it felt a lot better than getting it from, you know, a dealer or, you know, from some shady source, it was just delivered to my house. And then not most importantly, I knew what I was getting. I knew the strains I was getting. I knew the percentages I was able to get CBD for the first time. And uh, I started to experiment and try different things until I learned what worked well for me. And, uh, you know, in your reading, like, what do you think really put the change into uh, Canada, Ontario and everything to start to go from uh, illegal to legal? Like what what did you come across that really put that in motion? For me, sorry. Like for for people in general, like what do you think made the government finally change their mind? Was there just enough of an uproar from everybody that how we need this plant, how beneficial it is? Like what do you think made them change their mind? For medical use, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, there was you know, uh, this is what we have to thank the uh, the you know the lifelong activists who have been fighting for this since the '60s. They started doing their own experimentation and research, and they were finding that it was helping people with all kinds of ailments. And like, you know, governments put laws in place that not only was it illegal, but it was illegal to study it. So we couldn't even find out, like, are there any actual, you know, medical benefits? Uh, we just had to, you know, go on the word of, of uh, you know, the people who knew the plant the best, and those were the people who used it and uh, fought for its legality. And, you know, before you know it, we started to see that it was treating epilepsy, it was treating cancer and all sorts of ailments. Um, and then, yeah, then, you know, we started seeing places in the U.S. start to legalize, at least medicinally, like in California. 
And, you know, there was always a big weed culture in British Columbia. They were doing that there too. And then it was just a matter of time before Ontario caught up, caught up to it and, uh, and did the same. Yeah, I think this has been a, a great uh, step forward for us as a country and people and definitely trying to get back to a more natural way of taking medications because I do feel that and nothing against a doctor, but I do feel sometimes you go in there and the doctor's like, here, I'll just prescribe you this, this and this. And really, when they don't even look at any other kind of option, like, do you need to meditate? Do you need to maybe cannabis would be a good thing for you? Like, I feel that this is a step that maybe we can start to get off some of these hardcore drugs like opiates, for instance. Yeah, I agree. But then I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, now that it's all legalized, but then I look back, like, look at how many people went to jail because it was illegal. Not just and that, but how many people are still sitting in jail today and haven't been released? Ex- exactly. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous, right? There could be other people that's sitting in jail who did far worse things. I know, and I, I've, I've recalled a few stories coming out of the U.S. for people like, you know, they got arrested and they've been in prison for like, you know, 10 years already for like a gram of weed, which doesn't seem like that's fair anymore. And I know they are through like Innocence Project and things like that. They are trying to get these people released mm-hmm. out of prison. But, you know, for some people, that's not happening fast enough, considering it's legal in a lot of states. Yeah, and how many lives have already been destroyed, how many families, how many people grew up without parents. That's right, because um, no matter what you do, no matter whether you get released for prison, yeah, if damage, you go to prison, you're never going to resolve from that. Right. Like, you're always going to be that person that was in prison. Yeah, but just more than more than that, like, the damage is done. Like, we can't, I mean, unfortunately, is I don't mean this in a harsh way, but, like, look into the past. It's like, we have to start looking to the future and, like, how do we make it right for those people and their families uh, to, you know, compensate them? I feel like they should be on the forefront in a lot of ways of, you know, making, uh, making money from cannabis. They should be the ones uh, opening up stores and, and, um, and, and reaping some of the, the legal benefits nowadays. And how do you feel about the store situation now, now that we have stores uh, in, in Toronto and you can go out and go into the, you know, and just buy and talk to someone like, how, how do you feel now that they're set up? Do you feel they're set up pretty good? They could do better. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good ones. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of the ones that all look like Apple stores. I definitely like, you know, the stores that have a personality. Uh, you know, I feel like everybody's trying to be, do the same thing, but the ones that are, you know, that stand out to me are the ones that try to do things a little differently uh, and not just, you know, be that traditional like, like I said, Apple store model. Um, it's good, man. It's great. I'm glad. I'm just, I'm glad it's legal. I'm glad people have uh, safe access to it now and access to it in many other ways. Cause like we said, you know, some people don't want to smoke it. Some people do want to eat it. Uh, although like I just, like I said earlier, it's not that I don't recommend people eat it. Uh, I do enjoy eating it myself, but uh, definitely have to be more careful than you would smoking it. Cause like you could smoke too much and be high for three hours and then you come down and you're okay. But like, if you take a bad trip off of edibles, like I said, for me in that one case, it was three days, but it could be 12 hours, 14 hours. So let's say there's a person who's never ever had one. I've never experienced it. They walk into a store. What would you recommend? I would recommend probably something with uh, not too much THC. 
and advise them to go slow and experiment and pace yourself. You don't, you don't have to go, uh, you know, super hard right off the bat. Like I've never been into one of the cannabis stores before. So when you walk in, are they like, if you go ask them, are they going to give you all that information? Like you're like, Hey, listen, I've never smoked. They're not going to give you any like sort of medical information because they're not allowed to. So they're not going to say, you know, this is good if your back hurts or this is good for migraines or whatever. I sort of know that stuff. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm only talking about what's worked for me. Right. Uh, and, and through my own experimentation, I found, uh, you know, certain strains are good for my migraine. Certain strains are good for when my back is hurting or, um, you know, certain strains are good for depression. Certain strains are bad for anxiety or depression can sort of make it worse. Like uh, I find out the ones with a lot of THC um, can make you feel a little bit more paranoid than others. But I mean, that's a personal thing. It could be completely different. For- Cannabis is very different for every individual it's not a one-size-fits-all solution for everybody it it interacts with everybody's body differently yeah no that's that's good information because like i you know i think maybe even for some people they are even like timid to go into one of these stores i know i would be because i just really know nothing about it and i wouldn't even know where to start if i wanted to even buy something and i would be in such fear because of past experience to buy the wrong thing and go through that again. Like maybe in that case, would you recommend that, you know, when somebody's going to do it, like they should do like a buddy system where somebody's there and you guys do it together or like, is there any kind of recommendation so that maybe they don't go through that? Um, I mean, I don't know. And it depends on the person, right? Like if you're the type of person that needs to be around people, then I'd say, yes, if you're more introverted, and, you know, uh, you like to be by yourself, then I would say, you know, do it by yourself in, in a controlled setting and take, you know, take every precaution uh, you can. Uh, like I said, it's if you're eating it, go slow. Even if you're smoking it, go slow. You don't have to smoke the whole joint all in one shot. You can take a couple of puffs, put it out on the ashtray, see how you feel. You know, it's a very individual experience, uh, I find. And everybody has to sort of experiment with themselves and find what works for them because it's not definitely not a one size fits all solution for everybody. For me, I find that um, I can't stand the smell of it. So I prefer um, eating it. So when is vaporizing the same? Do you still smell it or? There's definitely still an odor. It's far less offensive and pungent. It's uh, like I said, it's, uh, you're not actually burning it, right? I think it's the burning part that's probably bothering you. It's what bothers most people. But, uh, you know, there is an odor that is put in the air when you vaporize it, but it, ten- it you know, it tends to dissipate after 20, 30 minutes or so. Uh, and it doesn't, like, get into your furniture and, um, you know, your curtains and stuff the way smoke does. And what about on the vape pen? Do you, if someone was to try a vape pen, uh, you know how when people smoke, like, a joint, they get that like they're they're that hacking coughing kind of turn off like why would i want to do this kind of thing do you get that from a vape pen or no well it it depends on a lot of factors like if you vape it at a really high temperature and it sort of comes out very harsh then yeah there's probably a possibility of that happening but you know um you know if you do it at a lower temperature and uh it's usually you know it, it doesn't have to always be hot and harsh uh, again, it's a very, like, it's all about experimentation, I find, and finding a sweet spot for what works for you. 
And uh, and I know that you have an Instagram. And if anybody had like questions, like would they be able to reach out to you somewhere and be able to you oh, could yeah. you could answer some stuff definitely. for them? Yeah, definitely. What? I have people reach out to me all the time. I just use Instagram. There's too many social media platforms. Uh, that's the only social media I use. So uh, so where can uh, they find you on there? What is your what is your hook? 420 at 420 vapeologist. Uh, when you type in 420 vape, it's usually the first one that comes up. Oh, I have another question for you, actually. Um, do you think now that it's legal, um, that it's legalized in a lot of um, places, um, do you think that less people are doing it? Because here's the thing. In Portugal, um, uh, I think they legalize drugs. And when they legalize it, nobody wants to use it anymore. So do you think it's the same thing? Um, well, first of all, uh, Portugal didn't legalize drugs. They decriminalized all of them, which oh, okay. means you can't, that's what I know. can't, you can't be charged. I'm Portuguese. That's why I know. <laughs> okay. No, cause I saw it in a Michael Moore documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Where to invade next. Yes. Right. That's the one. Yeah. I love that documentary by the way. I, I um, but, uh, yeah, so basically they decriminalized all drugs and yeah, their drug usage went down, uh, for like illicit drugs and, uh, you know, uh, everything really. Um, and I've seen, I've seen some studies too, that suggest that when, when a place legalizes like teen use actually goes down. And I think that's kind of interesting. It's like, maybe it's because it's not, you know, it's not rebellious and illegal. Like that. I think that's part of the appeal to kids that are teenagers. So. Yeah. It's still my appeal for most it. things in life actually. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, do you think that's happened? <laughs> I think it's definitely happened. You know, uh, I definitely think that there's probably still, uh, you know, some people who are underage that, you know, now because there's more access probably get into it. But I think uh, for the most part, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it, that, that usage goes down a bit when, when, when different places legalize. Yeah, well, this is great. Like, I mean, like so much information and just you, like you're so knowledgeable. And that's why I was like just so excited to have you on and the I show. And I think it's very useful too for people who have no experience. And because I know from my teens, I, I've always thought of it as like a bad thing. Oh, you're smoking marijuana or you're smoking cannabis. That, you know, it's such a bad rep. Where my friends were doing it but they're not bad people you know what i mean it's just something that they do to me it's like i you know i i, I really i really hate when i see especially women get uh criticized for you know being a parent and using cannabis but like people don't bat an eye when mom has two glasses of wine at the barbecue in front of their kids you know <laughs> but if you use cannabis you're somehow a bad parent i wholeheartedly reject that not that you were implying that of course but like yeah, I'm a parent. I'm not ashamed to say I use cannabis. I'm, you know, I'm a good father. I'm a good provider to my family and my wife. I'm a hardworking member of society. I'm not a lazy stoner. And that's why I never used to talk about this stuff on my Instagram. I would never show my face at first because, you know, I was always afraid, like, again, being a parent and always just sort of having that in the back of your mind. But like, I'm at a stage in my life now where I'm not ashamed to admit I use cannabis. I don't hide it from anybody. And, uh, you know, that doesn't make me, I, I, I just sort of want to do my part to break that, you know, lazy stoner stigma that is still unfortunately around. I think you're right. And now as an adult too, I have a better um, understanding about it because I didn't understand what it was about um, as a teenager. And now it's, it's not like I would say, oh, no, I'm doing something bad. Um, it's just... You know, it's it's fun, of course, but if you're using it in a smart way, then 
you know, Absolutely. you're not well, a bad person. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're about to make a good point. responsible with it, right? right? Yeah. Right. Right, and, and anybody can get out of control with just alcohol in the same way I feel that you could with uh, any type of marijuana. Oh, actually, I just said marijuana again. <laughs> Brian was giving me uh, the, the, the grills earlier because I wasn't <laughs> using the word cannabis. I even, uh, so I'm trying, but it's, you know what? My whole life, it's always it's been in, called marijuana. It's in the lexicon. That's what we have to, you know, and that's why you talk about it to make people aware of it, right? Like, I think some people don't even realize it, but that word really started getting popular, uh, you know, in the, in the early stages of the drug war by Harry Anslinger in the U.S., uh, he used to say things like, um, you know, uh, that that marijuana weed that that comes up from Mexico makes white women want to have uh, sexual relations with African Americans and jazz musicians. It was it was very early on used as a way to otherize minorities, even then, right? Like it's a problem we still have today, and uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's definitely one of those words that I wish people would stop using. Yeah, well, and I guess a progressive as a society, like, you know, everything that's going on lately, like we're, we're trying, we're trying to make an attempt, but certain stigmas and things, it takes a little while for those things to kind of change and become like more um, like that they're more of the norm. Yeah, more. Yeah. And, and good for everybody so that the, you're not signaling out one specific culture over another. Right. right. And, and we get there by talking about it, right? Yeah, which is why we had you on the show today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what, uh, Brian, this has been an excellent show. I We've covered so much stuff. And, you know, uh, like I've learned a lot. And I'm sure, Nene, I don't know, you've learned Definitely, a lot. Definitely, yeah. yeah. We want to thank you for taking the time uh, today to join us. Yeah, thank you for coming on, Brian. And you know what, if, uh, if anybody wants to uh you know ask us questions or maybe if we have a good response we'd love to have you back on the show you can always find us at the pink box on instagram and And if you uh, want more information uh regarding vaping um you can contact brian at at 420 vapologist awesome thanks so much brian thank you Okay, so what did you think of that episode? Um, I think it's a lot of information, actually, which is great because not a lot of people know about cannabis. I think it's generally, for me, I think young people know more about it than than older, um, you know, older generations. Yeah, it's definitely a mid-generation to younger generation since we've become legal and probably the usage of it and not saying that elders didn't use cannabis but it's just become more mainstream kind of like if you were to have a drink of alcohol yeah i think it's just it's frowned upon because it was illegal that's the thing and when you have more information and you have more um, research about it and you get to know people who have more experience about that type of stuff then you you learn more of what it is all about instead of oh well that's just you know smoking weed oh that's a bad thing Yeah, there's definitely a stigma uh, with it. And I think a lot of the people that are out there listening need to realize that exactly what Brian said. It's not always uh, for everyone. And not everybody has a good experience. Like, I didn't have a good experience. I know friends that haven't had a good experience. Uh, Some people even end up going to the extreme 
and they end up losing everything because they become very addicted. And actually coming across uh, their podcasters, I listened to uh, Addictive Podcast with Adrian Godino. Uh, and his podcast is called The Addictive Pod. And I think for anybody who maybe is out there and, and maybe you're going through bad times or maybe you have addictions or maybe you're a recovery person, this would be a cool podcast to check out uh, just because they do talk a lot about what you go through, the stages, and not recovery is the same for everyone. Yeah, not not all things, all experiences will be different for everyone. So it's good to understand um, different types of issues and how to recover and maybe you'll get some advice and um, take from it yeah exactly because it's it, everybody is affected differently so you know we try to get a little bit of both mixture into that podcast mm-hmm. of you know Brian talked about him be, uh, having depression issues and how it helped him and not everybody may experience that and some people actually end up tumbling into this kind of dark hole the other side when they start to use alcohol drugs uh even tobacco like there's so many things that people can become addicted to so i guess for our listeners our pinksters what we're trying to say is that we we had brian because i think it's an interesting topic but also we're not pushing you to you know right <laughs> go into cannabis if if you don't want to like of course like it's different for everyone and we just want everybody to have an open mind yeah and have an open mind and research research if you want to do anything look into it first i mean that's what we do when we come on here and we have guests we have to research who's coming on what are they talking about and it's no different for you if you're going to try cannabis or maybe you're looking into a new type of alcohol read about it yeah. i mean the the internet is full of so much information for people and it's also full of people you can connect with if you do have an addiction problem for their for help and resources yeah so we hope that you guys enjoy the show thank you for listening i'm Mimi, and this is cc and, and we, we are, are the pink, pink fox, fox.